He hands the pass now to McCaw. McCaw turns around, pans it out to Powell. We're tied at 25. Powell gets to the free throw line. Now lobs a pass on the block to Gasol. Takes the contact, floats it up and in. His first bucket as a member of the Toronto Raptors. When I learn about my new teammate, they all scrappy. To Gasol. Turns around, fires, and gets it to go. But that was a good debut. I mean, you could see a, a class player out there without question. With DeLon right now in Memphis following the Marcus Gasol trade and Fred Van Vliet on the shelf with a thumb injury, the Raptors are shorts on point guard depth, but it looks like help is on the way in the form of Jeremy Lin. ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski is reporting that Lin will be bought out by the Atlanta Hawks. That will allow him to sign a contract with the Raptors, possibly by midweek. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Free Association podcast. And it's a bit of a sports net central takeover i yeah. feel like we need to rename the show you know me i'm donovan bennett joined by and actually before i introduce them one of the few benefits i suppose of being able to have a podcast here is like just get an excuse to hang out with people that i like and so that's this is what this is joined by two of our hardcore basketball heads in the building jesse rubinoff daniel michaud Hey guys. Thanks for having us, man. No, thanks for coming through. Pumped to do this. See, that's the only reason I came. We're buds. I wanted to just hang out for an hour. I know, right? Well, so here's the thing. Like, the, We're going to go like a little inside well, baseball or basketball. Many of the people who I like, I never see them, even though I work with them, because we are like ships in the night. I'm here throughout the day doing this podcast, editing features, doing a little bit of writing. They're here at night bringing mm-hmm. you your sports highlights. Yeah. And so... Maybe I'll see them like they're in the makeup chair as I'm leaving, jumping on the TTC or something like that. And so now this is a perfect nexus where they're starting their day. Are you guys actually working today or did you come in for this? We're both off. Yeah, we're off. We Shut like you this up. much, DJ. Oh, I feel good. All right. I have to make this worth your while. The Raptors are making it worth our while, oh, aren't yeah. they? Big time. Everyone's like every deadline. Oh, is Masai going to do something? Is Masai going to do something? Well, he did something this year. Goes out and gets Gasol. Not... For me, it was a, a bit of a rich price. JV, DeLon, CJ Miles, thank you. No disrespect, but getting that contract off the books, future pick. And then now in the buyout market, making that deal look a little bit better because with the extra roster spot, going out and getting Jeremy Lin. So we've got the, the Gasolina era starting and the Insanity era about to start. And it's going to pop off. I think so. Like I was looking at the video of Lin hitting that game winner Valentine's Day 2012. Crazy that it was that long ago. It's six years ago this week, no? Mike D'Antoni won't call timeout and let the Raptors set up their D. The crowd on its feet here at the Air Canada Center. Got to get a stop. Lynn against Calderon. The entire place standing. Lynn on the drive. Lynn, three ball up top. Jeremy Lynn from downtown. And the Knicks take the lead. Five tenths of a second. And the legend continues. What are the chances? And so my takeaway, other than the fact that like the game is so different, they weren't even really guarding the three-point line. He just stepped into a a wide open three. Was the crowd was insane. Like literally insane. I don't think I can remember a single Raptor game where the crowds reacted like that to an opposing player. I know that when Kobe used to come around, fans would be going crazy for Kobe, but Jeremy Lin was on another level. Well, it's next level, and it's hitting sort of the diverse uh, fan base that the Raptors mm-hmm. pull in. Like, this is going to be epic because you saw that come out for a visiting player. Now he's on this team, and I think if you kind of scoped Twitter out when this news broke, there was oh. a funny collection of people, like, losing their minds, a la Rob Wong, who was trying to play it cool on his updates, but I know is is super, <laughs> super hype about this. But also, like, kind of 
fans that are a little less dedicated going like, oh, my mom's going to lose her mind when she sees Jeremy Lin as a part of this team. Yeah, so I think of Lin in two things. One, back then, when he started his tear, I remember, Danielle, we worked at the, at the score at the time, yeah. and I put a pitch out to the Knicks, hey, I want to interview Lin when he comes to town. They were honestly, they are like, what? Why? Like, okay, whatever. And this was like maybe 10 days, around two weeks before they came into town. By the time he got to town, there was no sit-down interview. It was a wrap because he was so big. Peak insanity Honestly, at that time. Honestly, yeah. in the little Raptors kind of media press room at the ACC, which, you know, we've seen. And Danielle, you've spent many a night there, you know, working for City. It's not big. No. And I've never seen basically standing room only in that room other than Kobe's last game here. The Warriors, when they came here, when they started the season undefeated forever, mm-hmm. and Luke Walton was a coach at the time, and Lin Sandy, like those are the three times when that room was crazy, and now you're bringing that here. It's crazy because the impact they're going to have on the floor, it's not measurable, but I would lay money that there will be more Jeremy Lin jerseys sold than yeah. Marcus Sold jerseys. I would think it's 100% fact. It, but that's crazy. Yeah, it doesn't really he's make the, sense. He's the third guard. Yes. He's yeah. the third guard on the roster. And he's going to be selling more jerseys than probably anybody else on the team. And do you know what that made me immediately think of, just in a comparison in this city, was Muninori Kawasaki. Like, people were going absolutely <laughs> oh mental for him with yeah. the Jays. And you're going, like, this guy doesn't do anything for this team, but he's become this, like, f- spiritual figurehead for the Blue Jays and the fans. So who cares if he does sell more jerseys than Gasol, even though he probably shouldn't? And I we think, hope that Jeremy Lin's a little bit more productive uh, than yes. Leonardo Kawasaki 100%. was. One hundred percent. It was more tenure. the fanfare he created oh, that yeah. it made me think it was of. A circus. He had some clutch hits. Don't sleep on the bush party. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. And actually, it's needed, right? Yeah. The, the other news that broke. Yeah. Just today, now. Uh, and, and we were doing this on Monday. Full disclosure. Freddie V. Bet on yourself. Will be out for a bit. He's got a, a wrist issue with some ligament damage, and he's someone who part of the reason why. I was a little bit unsure about the Gasol trade is DeLon Wright, maybe he's plateaued, he's he's already 26, but Fred Van Vliet has been walking around like a mummy, like he's had a back issue, Kyle Lowry has a back issue, your entire point guard depth has no back, that's not a recipe for success and it's only February, Yeah, and so having another real point guard in the fold I think is, is super key. Does this give sort of a chance if Fred Van Vliet's out to experiment a little more for Nick Nurse to get Lynn into the rotation and see how he fits without having to come behind the other two? I think we have to. And I think if we're talking about the way this plays out for the next 25, 30 games, I would love to see Kyle Lowry on the load management plan. Yeah. I'd love to see some nights where maybe you leave Fred in his role as the first guard off the bench and Lynn start some games. If we've got kid gloves on Kawhi, I think for all the same reasons, we need to have kid gloves with Kyle. The issue, though, is Kyle, as we saw in Philly, is just like, I'm playing. Yeah. So what Kyle do you, has what too do you much do? pride to sit. But one of the issues with that, too, is that Kyle and Kawhi haven't really played together True. much no. this year. So True. you want to establish that cohesion and that chemistry so that they get to the playoffs and they're peaking. And right now, if you were to start the playoffs tomorrow, would you say that Kyle and Kawhi look great together enough so that they could go to the playoffs and roll? No. I think no. there is a a better relationship with Serge and Kyle and Serge and Kawhi mm-hmm. than Kyle and Kawhi. And I think that relationship matters. I mean, Pascal, I feel like 
just roll the ball. He could play with anyone, yeah. right? Rim runs. That's his game. so much yeah. energy. Yeah, helps the help defender on on defense. Now they're giving him the ball, letting him facilitate not just for others but for himself. I, I think he's just an easy person to play with because he's like Sean Marion with a better shot at this point. <laughs> but there is a bit of a relationship that you need, and people said, "Oh well, you know, there's so much ISO with Kawhi and Kyle doesn't know where to fit." If you look at their usage rate, Kawhi's usage is almost to the number the same as DeMar DeRozan's. Yeah. So I don't think it's a matter of the ball is in Kawhi's hands too much. I just feel like sometimes Lowry's overly passive. Sometimes Kawhi is a bit passive. We're seeing in this last stretch, Kawhi has been a bit passive, and Nurse says he needs him to be a little bit more engaged. I've said this before on this podcast, but this will be new to you guys. I feel like they've got shared custody of the team. One, because they don't play together often, but even when they do, it's like, oh, sometimes it's Kyle's team, sometimes it's Kawhi's team, and the rest of the players are like, are we at mom's house this weekend or dad's house? Like, <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to laugh at dad's joke a little too hard or compliment mom's new boyfriend a little too much in front of dad. And now you're bringing in Gasol and Lynn trying to work that out and someone else because yeah. they need to sign another player in the next 10 days uh, to get to the floor in terms of roster spots, even though, shout out to Chris Boucher, He's now a full member of the team. Shout out to Miller. Their contracts have been upgraded. Concerns for you guys? Well, when you mentioned sort of the mom's mom's house, dad's house mentality, even when Kawhi came here and the signing, I was there. I was sitting in the crowd, listening to them talking. Lowry came out after. And it felt quite, you know, he was still obviously so bitter about what was going on with Damar. And I went, okay, well, it's the beginning, so it's fine. Give him some time to figure this out and it'll get better. I don't know if it really has. Have they found any kind of sync with each other are they trying to and we're just not seeing it plus nurse is trying so many different combinations at what point do you say we need to try and stick with this because this is what we're rocking with when we get into the playoff mentality because you know we've seen so much when do you go this is what we're going with this is what we're doing is he because now Gasol's there do you have a bit more stability to create that and figure that out and Gasol's where is he starting? Yeah, is that's he the other off question. The if he's starting, is he starting beside Surge? Surge at the five has been a revelation. Surge at the four wasn't nearly as good. Is that yeah. because he's at the five, not the four? Is that because Nurse is the coach? Does Ibaka regress if you don't start him? He's been doing so well. Does he deserve to to have to come off the bench? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I personally loved what I saw from Marcus All in his first game coming off the bench. I'm not saying that this is something that they should do going forward, but when he was playing with the with the second unit his patience from the elbow and giving Norm Powell and Fred Van Vliet these open looks. And I know Fred said after the game, like, I'm not used to getting these open looks. I'm used to getting it and trying to drive, trying to do all these different things. But he's not used to a big man who can stand on the elbow like that and free him up, make quick decisions, set bone-crushing screens. So Marcus Gasol is bringing things to this team that they haven't had maybe ever in this era of six-year run of great Raptors basketball. And rounding that back to Lowry being injured, Gasol's going to give them so much opportunity to spread the floor mm-hmm. without it all being on Lowry to do that. He distributes the ball so well that it's giving them a huge lift in that area. I think one of the issues you run into with when you put Serge at the four and Gasol at the five, if you want to say that Nick Nurse is going to start Gasol, is that Serge from three really hasn't been very good this year. And if you have him at the four and you try and match him up against some of the other teams in the East... For example, like the Bucs who are going to have Miritich or the Sixers who now have Tobias Harris, you're going to run into some serious problems, some serious mismatch problems with the Baca going up against Harris or Miritich. So it'll be interesting to see what he does. Yeah, and say what you will about CJ Miles. That is still some three-point shooting. Now, it wasn't 
as reliable as it should for that being his only above average NBA skill. But the threat of three point mm-hmm. shooting, the gravity that he brings has left. And now you look that starting unit to your point, Jesse, if you were to start Gasol and Surge together, well, who's coming out of that lineup? I don't think you're taking Pascal out of the starting no. lineup. So that means Danny Green's coming out again, another three point shooter. The spacing in that first unit and by proxy in that second unit is something we got to work out. I love the Gasol edition because is he the perfect fit? I don't think so. Was Miritich more of a need for the Bucks or was Tobias Harris more of a need for the Clippers? Yes. But I think when you look at the Raptors coaching staff, they got Sergio Scarilio. Uh, the former Spain, Spain national yeah. coach yep. on the staff, a guy who has a relationship with Gasol. Kyle, although a while ago and not for very long, a guy who's played with Gasol. Gasol's going back to Memphis over the, the All-Star break with Raptors tape. He's packing up his things, bringing his two kids and his wife and coming to Toronto, but he's going to have the opportunity to acclimate himself. He's got his own little training camp to get himself familiar with what happens. And so guy with such a high basketball IQ he is easy to kind of work into what you do on the fly in a way that I think other guys you were picking up at the deadline or via buyout would not. And for me, a big part of it's attitude. Mm. Right away, you could tell he was so pumped to come here. I love that Jose Calderon called him right away to be like, no, no, Toronto's a good place. By the way, you can stay in my house that's being yeah, renovated. That's apparently. Apparently. <laughs> that he said that. As if, as Doesn't if, surprise me at all. But as if Jose still has a house here. Loves Toronto. I guess. I don't know. Well, sure. The way housing prices are. Not a bad investment. Players no, that come true. here, generally speaking, they enjoy it. And I have a, a pretty strong suspicion that Gasol's going to like it and Jeremy Lin's going to like it based on how Huge. his reception is going to be. But yeah, the attitude coming in was right away like, I understand what the game plan is here. I see what the Raptors' focus is and that they're going all in. Messiah is taking this sort of gamble on me. Uh, obviously, he's older. He's regressed in his career a little bit. But, but this might be just what he needs to sort of revive his game. Yeah, I mean, he hasn't been... 2013 All-Star no. Defensive Player of the Year, Gasol. Although he got hurt, he sprained his ankle this year, his left ankle in Memphis. And if you take out his numbers when he was playing on a bad ankle, he's actually been pretty good this year. I am with you, Danielle, that I think he kind of sees you know the carrot that he's playing for, another real chance at a championship, and you get a revived Gasol actually playing. Because what, what was he playing for in Memphis? Nothing, really. Nothing. And Memphis is so confusing. They're kind of blowing it up, but they're not. Like, why wouldn't you just... Well, what about Conley? Like, I thought that the blow-up was happening and Conley would be... Yeah, they're so weird. Like, coming into this year, there's... Okay, they're saying they're rebuilding, but they now, as of today, have less draft picks than they did coming into the year. They're training a soul, but not Conley. I would have loved if the deal included Conley and Mm. included Kyle. But, yeah, for Lowry, because that was a big sticking point, is you're willing to let go of Kyle Lowry to get Conley. Yeah, and and listen, if the Jazz didn't blow them away with options or Detroit didn't blow them away with options, then I get it. But I think Kyle for Conley would have been a fair deal because Kyle's off the books a year earlier. So say the Raptors were to make that deal and it was Conley and Gasol now with the Toronto Raptors. Had the Raptors gone to the playoffs and had a ton of success... Would it have been a little bit weird for the fan base to have no Kyle Lowry, no DeMar DeRozan, no Jonas Valanciunas, and no Dwayne Casey? Sort of the mainstays, the four core guys that have been here throughout this entire six-year run of relevance for the Toronto Raptors not being a part of that playoff run. Would that diminish the excitement of that playoff run in any way for you? I don't know if it would have been weird, but I think people would place blame. 
For sure. See, that's the common denominator. Those yeah. guys are gone. We said they couldn't get over the hump. There was a mental block. You literally were at the rim with the chance to beat the, the Cavs in game one at home. Couldn't do it for whatever reason. DeRozan put back no. JV put yeah. back no. Five put backs later. Yeah. Still no. So, so I, think, I think people would draw that correlation, even though we would say, well, I mean, LeBron's no longer in the East. You got this guy named Kawhi Leonard, who is uh, you know a former Finals MVP. But, but I think people totally would be ready to make to built in excuses. Like if they don't make the finals, then people are just going to rip apart the moves. Yeah, but are we in a way saying goodbye to that era of Raptors basketball? Right, like we're forgetting. We're talking about Gasol and kind of his his Spanish roots. We're forgetting that this team started really. I think this era started with the trade of Rudy Gay. Yep. And getting back Patterson um, and Chuck Hayes, right? Like, and taking the Nets to to seven, even though their payroll was crazy. Like, there were, even though the team's much different now, there's still through points all the way. Now, it's really it's just Kyle, who they were trying to get rid of, depending on who you believe. It literally is just Kyle. And I look back at the excitement level of that first playoff series. It's funny how expectations sort of change the excitement. Now the expectation is that the Raptors are at the very least going to make the Eastern Conference Finals, if not the NBA Finals. But I was there in that Game 7 when Kyle got blocked to the rim by Paul Pierce. And I have never, of all the sporting events I've ever been to, I have never heard a building that loud. And now there have been some writers who are on the beat or at every Raptor game. They say Scotiabank Arena is a lot more quiet than it was during that early couple playoff runs because the expectations have changed. So at what point does that excitement level get back to where do the Raptors have to go? Is yeah. it going to be loud in the first two rounds? It's a good point. You're talking about loud. They were given an ovation to come off the floor after losing in game seven. And remember the, the LeBron LeBron talked about how incredible the crowd was. Yeah. And remember against the Cavs, it was game six and against the Nets. It was, it was game seven in the first round. And I remember that first round series they lost to against the Nets. Gravis Vasquez, like his post-game scrum, and he he would be the international player at the, at the time who everyone loved, like was almost in tears, like believe in us, like we're going to yeah. do it. And mind you, he wasn't around for much longer as he was sold to the Bucks for the right to draft Norm Powell. But the thing with that team was like they were, literally were underdogs. They weren't supposed to be in the playoffs. The We the North thing started at the same That's time. Right. Remember We the North oh, and, yeah. and Northern Uprising? And yep. Northern Uprising Us just against kind of the world. Fell. Yeah, it all started then. And then there was the expectation, to your point, Jesse, of, yeah, we should be here. We need to go further. Now when I look at this team, I wonder if that underdog mentality comes back a little bit. You know, Kawhi, obviously, things went south. In San Antonio, Gasol, you know, grit and grind didn't work, and he, he was shipped out of there. Chris Boucher, you know, people thought he wasn't even going to be in the league. Jeremy Lin, people have been down on him, been on a bunch of different teams. You know, Danny Green is a guy who had to find himself throughout his NBA career. Fred Van Vliet, undrafted, bet on yourself. And what about Nick Nurse, first-year head coach, yeah, who yeah. is coming out under the wing of Dwayne Casey, where everyone's going, what are you going to do different? Right. Because we've seen Dwayne Casey not able to do this. You were apparently feeding him whatever he should be doing. So how are you going to provide a different plan that'll get them further this time? And coming into this year, the Raptors had two first-round lottery picks on the team. Jonas Valanciunas, Greg Monroe. Now they have none. Now they Zero. have none. Now you know, they have none. That's fascinating. Can I also say my, my bench mob t-shirt is very sad. 
I have an incredible <laughs> bench mob shirt and it's just missing some pieces now. It's yeah. Kind of... Like you have the actual. Yeah. Like the drawn one. There's a, uh, there's oh, a girl. Yeah, the She's figures? Yeah. The cartoon one that I forget her name, but she draws pictures of the raps. I absolutely love I them. Maddie is Maddie. Name? Yes. Yeah. That's it. She's only, she's still in school and she draws these pics and they've obviously caught some attention of the players. I remember Kyle Lowry tweeted one out, but yeah, yeah I bought the bench mob shirt cause I just loved it and was all about that. And uh, yeah, I don't know if I can wear it anymore. Can I? Yeah, I don't know. I have an, a crew neck that is the infamous bench mob. It's just the the words. You don't see any faces. So I don't know if I can wear that because it's there still have a bench. May not be mob. Uh, it's not mobby. I don't know no, if it's got a lot of it's mob. It's a lot different. But all of these moves with them, I mean, they all are interesting. They bring something to the table. I think it's a marginal increase. But ultimately, they're judged not just on how this team was before the deadline or at the beginning of the year. They're judged by how the rest of the East is. So we look at the odds right now. Golden State, it's crazy. They are two to five favorites to win. Ugh. The, the top four teams. They should be. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's not even really a, a great investment, right? You might as well just pick a team you like yeah. in the field. The other top four teams in the top five in terms of odds are the top teams in the East. The top four teams, not by record. Sorry, Pacers. We'll pour a sip out for Vehicle Oladipo. But Saddest. the Bucks, the Raptors, the Sixers, and the Celtics, they're all 10 to 1 right now. All even. Of those four teams, based on what happened at the deadline, who's the threat? Like, how do you rank those four? Because I think we asked, and I'm not sure if the math works in terms of the uh, scenarios, but if we asked 10 people, I think 10 may have a different order. Does that even make I, sense? 100%. Mathematically, is that possible? And apparently we can also credit LeBron for all of this. I don't know if you saw his comments recently that the East and all of the fluctuation and the arms race is thanks to his leaving. So we can, we can thank Did LeBron. Did he actually say that? Oh, oh yeah. he definitely said that. Yeah, he, he wow. said that he saw this movement and excitement because he's gone now. So. Look, he's right, but maybe he just not, doesn't have to say it all yeah, the time. Yeah, I don't like, understand why he's pointing We know you're right about all of this. We know how great you are. But man, do you always have to say it? If you're LeBron, yeah, I guess so. I mean, my guy is walking into arenas with wine, wine. right? It's in, like it's incredible. He's on a new level of I just I like do that not look. care. He's his All Star team is just team tamper. Just oh, are you an unrestricted free agent? Are yeah. you restricted? Doesn't matter. Don't Come care. to my team, James Harden. You're like crazy. Don't care. I'm drafting guys I might be able to play with. But before we take a break, your top four in the East in what order? The Milwaukee Bucks are a force to be reckoned with, not just because they have the Greek freak, not just because Mike Budenholzer is showing everybody why the Toronto Raptors wanted to hire him as their coach prior to making the agreement with Nick Nurse. But the Bucks have been great all year long, and now Miritich gives them another guy who can help spread the floor, clear the way for Giannis to do his damage, and he's probably, if not James Harden, probably the front runner for the MVP award this year. And I think Miritich, not only does he bring shooting, he brings experience to the table as well. Let's not forget those series where he played with the Chicago Bulls in the playoffs where he was raining threes consistently. He had a series against the Bucs yeah. where he had some huge shots back in the day and the Bucs know all about that. So if they can incorporate him into the rotation and make it work, which I think they will because how could you not? Miritich is a really good player. They're going to be a very, very tough out considering how athletic, how much good shooting they have and how well coached they are. That's my top team, too. I can't disagree with that. I feel like they have shooting at every single position now. Mirtich almost feels kind of plug-and-play because Boldenholzer's offense is so... He's got it figured out. I love the way that yeah. they play. And they have an absolute bonafide next-level superstar in Giannis. 
I don't know what he can't do. I see them being extremely dangerous to try to cover and defend in a playoff type scenario. I, I have them at one like easily. I actually agree. I think Miritich career highs and points, rebounds. They basically, I mean, what did they lose, right? A second round pick and Thonmaker who wasn't in the rotation. Yeah. Anyways. So, so they added a guy who, if we just went to a combine and said, okay, we got Miritich working out, Tobias Harris and Mark Gasol, would he be picked first? No. But I think, is he the best fit for the team that he's going to? Great because point. around Giannis, who does not shoot threes, you need spacing, spacing, spacing. And allowing him just to come downhill and make the half court a uh, fast break. I think Miritich does that so, so well. So, yeah, we have consensus actually. Yeah. It's great that we all agree, but also at the same time, <laughs> the Philadelphia 76ers, if they showed over the last two games, they are going to be an absolute force with Tobias Harris. Like you said with Miritich, how he's sort of, Danielle, you said plug and play with uh, the Bucks. Tobias Harris is a little bit of plug and play with the Sixers too, because he is a fantastic shooter, helps spread the floor for their. Other stars that they have, Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, Jimmy Butler, J.J. Redick has been filling it up in the two games since Tobias Harris has come over. And I feel like because when you get into the playoffs, you cut the rotation down. These guys are already playing 30-plus minutes as starters, and they're going to be playing a lot of the game in the playoffs. And when, say, Embiid goes a little cold, that's when you have Tobias Harris pick it up. And when Harris goes cold, that's when you have Simmons. And when Simmons goes cold, that's when you have Butler. And that's the danger of having four stars on your team, not to mention Embiid's having basically an MVP type season himself. So the Sixers are really scary too. So, you know, the Raps have their work cut out for them, not to mention the Celtics who have their own little drama episode going on at the moment. And I think that's why Boston fell out for me, this recent sort of, and, you know, Morris goes out and calls out his team. There's a lot of issues in that locker room. And I kind of am curious if, Putting it out there is a good idea with how competitive it is in the East. Try and maybe pretend you're all getting along and can play as well as you should be. But, you know, Kyrie's out again day to day with this injury. They have no cohesion. Morris points out they feel like a bunch of individuals. You can have as much talent in the world, but if you can't make it work cohesively, then what good is it? Don't you wonder what kind of an effect Kyrie is having in that locker room? Just based on what he said over the course of this year, calling out the youngsters it feels toxic. Now saying he's doesn't owe anybody anything. I didn't quote that exactly because I can't <laughs> do that here. So what kind of effect is he having on the young guys and their mental state going forward? This is why my ranking is Milwaukee 1, Raptors 2, Philly 3, Boston 4. And though the most talent to me by far is with Team 3, Philly, and Team 4, Boston. But it's not fantasy basketball. Mm. Yeah. And with Philly, the only thing I wonder about is the fit. Tobias Harris, who would be an all-star if he played in the, the East, East, for sure. A lot of his points came out of the pick and roll, something that Philly doesn't do. So Jimmy Butler was upset because he wanted more pick and roll touches. So even if they increased their pick and roll, if Brett Brown relented, is the ball in Jimmy Butler's hands for the pick and roll? Is it in Tobias Harris's hands? And if it is, what is Ben Simmons doing? Because he's not yeah. giving you any spacing. Are you going to put your point guard in the in the dunker position? Like, wh- what are we doing there? And so Embiid has been upset about his touches at some point. And so although Tobias Harris is plug and play, it's another person you have to play. I, I do like their moves and giving them some more depth at center with Boban. He's going he's gonna to give you now 
defensive uh, intimidation at the, the rim. The best per minute guy in the NBA. Yeah. You put Bobon on the floor, he racks <laughs> up 15 and 10 in 10 minutes of action. Right. And so even when, when, when Embiid leaves the game, you have rim protection yeah. with Bobon. They sign James Ennis. They make a deal with Orlando to get Fultz and that narrative out of town and get some more, more depth. Which is such still an intriguing story for me. Who, Fultz? The Fultz, yeah, just the absolute spiral that that's felt like it's been. I'm reticent to give up on him yet. Was it the, the issue more the team and not him? Well, is the issue more the shoulder or the, the mind? The man. The, the mental aspect of it. I mean, Orlando gets him for close to nothing. Yeah. And Philly just says, the process is over. We are winning now. He's not helping us now, so peace. You gone. But I think, to your point, the Celtics, to me, are a four in a distant four because forget about the talent. When I look at the Bucks, I mean, Giannis is their star. You get some leadership. And a guy like Chris Middleton. Look at the Raptors. Quiet, quiet leader, but bring in some some tough veterans mm-hmm. like Gasol, who's been through some playoffs. Danny Green. You've got that leadership, and obviously, you know, Kyle is going to do what he does and scream at everybody all of the time. Boston, who's the leader in that room? Is it Kyrie who who went to the LeBron James School of Leadership and it's not working out? No. Like Morris is trying to be that guy, but I don't know if he's good enough to have that command. Al Horford is he's great, but he doesn't really speak. And then you have guys on the team where Terry Rozier is like, I'm a free agent. I want to get mine. We went to the playoffs when I was a point guard. Jason Tatum's like, I should be an all-star. I need more touches. Jalen Brown's like, do you remember what I did in the playoffs? I need some more looks. Gordon Hayward? Gordon Hayward is like, I'm trying to revive my <laughs> yeah, career. I got Shell other of stuff. his former self. It's yeah. so sad. It makes yeah. me so sad. So, that, so that's why I worry about the Celtics. But that's my order. Bucks one, Raptors two, Philly close at three, and then Boston a distant four. The narrative forever, especially at the beginning of the season for the Celtics, was we have Brad Stevens as our coach. Yeah. We have all this talent. Boy wonder. But Brad Stevens is going to be the one who figures it out. And now here we sit with the Celtics in fourth in the Eastern Conference, tying tied for fifth, right? And they did nothing at the deadline. The shine has kind of worn off Brad Stevens just a little bit because people look at that roster and they say, okay, we have Kyrie, we have Tatum, we have Horford, we have Gordon Hayward, and we still can't figure it out. So what's the problem? Well, the shine is going to wear off of Danny Ainge if he's had all of these assets forever. And if Kyrie leaves in the offseason and they don't get AD coming back the other way, what was all of this for? Because if they don't have Kyrie on that roster, yeah. and they're probably not going to want to pay Terry Rozier what he's worth, and they don't end up getting AD in free agency, they are again mediocre after building to this point. I don't think they're going to make a finals this year. Who knows? But it's interesting. We we all think Danny Ainge has won every trade by a thousand, and you know Brad Stevens is the next president of the United States and my <laughs> coach of the year. This year has not been good luck. And I will say, if what happened in Boston happened in Toronto this year or the last couple of years, we would be crushing Dwayne Casey and Masai Ujiri. We would be That's crushing right. that administration. So we, we should hold Boston accountable. Before we move on, let's take a little break. Sure. Reset. Give me a, uh, not even a 20 second time. Let's take a full and then when we come back, let's talk some all-star. Let's talk a little bit more insanity here on Free Association. Mm-hmm. 
We got you covered with all-star weekend content in the NBA, not just on this podcast or on our channel, Sportsnet One, the home of basketball in Canada. We got you covered with Sportsnet now. Download the app, whatever device you are using, Family Day weekend, you'll be traveling all over the place. You want that all-star game content at your fingertips whenever necessary. Sunday is the big game from Charlotte. Steph Curry going back to his hometown. You gotta watch if you're a ball fan. So make sure you download Sportsnet now. Gets you your basketball information. That game, obviously, but also all of our analysis around it. Plus, hockey, games out of market, baseball, games from the Jays all the way to the World Series. Sportsnet now is the device you need to stay up to date on all your sports content. So here is the Raptors depth chart as we stand. Point guard, Larry Van Vliet, Lloyd on a, on a kind of two-way deal, and then obviously Jeremy Lin after he becomes a Raptor and clears waivers. At the two, Danny Green. You've got Patrick McCaw. I guess that's kind of it. At the three, you've got Leonard. You've got Norm Powell. You've got Miller, who again has been upgraded and is now full. Time member of the roster. The four, Siakam and Anobi, and, and obviously the four of the three are kind of fluctuating. Uh, in the modern-day game. And then at center, Gasol, Ibaka, and Boucher. Who, I, When you look at that depth chart, I think the center is their their best position. Strength, for sure. What would you like to see them address? They they have to at least sign another player. They, they could sign a couple more. What would you like to see them address on the buyout market? And is there a specific player that you would like to see as a Raptor? It's funny that we were just talking about Marcus Morris and the talking after the game and the attitude sort of he brings to the Celtics, maybe trying to be a leader. I think Markeith Morris would be a really good pickup for the Raptors. That's my guy. Because of the toughness that the Morris twins bring. And also he's a stretch guy. Now, I know he's been dealing with an issue. uh, I think it was a neck injury injury, that he's been out since late December. And he's thinking about going to get a second opinion for it, which is obviously not something... uh, you want to see when you're thinking about signing a certain player, but I think there are things he brings. He's, he can score the ball. He can, he's athletic enough on D he's tough. He rebounds. He shoots over 35% from three. And I think if there's one thing that the Raptors can address still it's shooting and having a guy come in who shoots 36% from three point range is certainly going to help them because you can never have too many shooters in this, in the NBA in this day and age ever. That's how the Warriors shifted the landscape of the league. Just shoot threes. And I know that Nick Nurse, that's what he loves to do with the Raptors. He came in with this new offensive scheme that they tried with Dwayne Casey. Shoot the ball from three. But the Raptors haven't been that good shooting the ball from three this year. So if you can bring in another shooter like Jeremy Lin, they did today, uh, I think that bodes well for the Raps' future. And DJ, you wrote saying to kind of come up with someone that the Raptors could fill a a roster spot with that would be influential. And I looked at this list of possible players. Like, what are you asking me to pick? Like, it's pretty, you know, I was not impressed. There's not a whole lot to work with. So for me, Jeremy Lin was right up there. So this was a fantastic. And at the time, this was only mere hours before we did this. Mm -hmm. There was the thought that Atlanta wasn't going to buy him out, period. So I think this worked out really well for the Raptors. Morris, the injury thing had me. And then what's going on with Ben McLemore? Because I feel like he seemed like he was a, he could potentially be good. He got, saw his minutes limited with the Kings this year, but he still shoots well from distance. Could he be something to come in? They were going to sign him to a 10-day, and then all of this like bananas about 
contracts in 10 days. You can't because you need to have 12 yeah, roster I think they're at the point where the deal is almost falling through. So they're going to need to sign another guy. And that's either probably Morris or somebody else. It's great that they saw they signed Jeremy Lin today. And I know that we were talking about it before the show. Like Lin is the guy now because Fred Van Vliet's not going to play for the next three games. I know Lin still has to clear waivers and may not be able to get into a game for a week. 48 hours maybe is what I read. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they can get him in the lineup before the All-Star break. McLemore is interesting just because if you remember him at Kansas, you see that high upside potential. But I don't think he's a guy you really trust to help you right now. The McLemore thing would be like, can we grab this guy, stash him, work with him, we trust our development, and the upside potentially could be high. And so now that Lynn's off the board, he's already someone who's going to be in the fold, theoretically. The two guys I really, really wanted would have been Ellington and Matthews. Yeah, they're gone. They, they're gone. They're like, well, this playoff thing is nice, but we actually want to play real minutes because we want to sign another big deal. And so the other guy who potentially could be bought out other than Morris, because I, I, I like that option, is Bazemore with Atlanta. Because again, okay. shooting and scoring. The issue is that Atlanta is reticent to let their guys leave because they want some sort of realistic product on the floor. I would love Bazemore if he's bought out. The other name that was mentioned to me as someone who could be bought out in Atlanta, Vince Carter. No. Why? Say no. I feel like that's a terrible fit. Why? <laughs> I don't know. I just don't think that that's going to help with the pieces that they already have. Let me ask you, He's too far gone. Do you think it would be a distraction for a team that's trying to make the NBA Finals for the first time? That's the real question. Because if you're you're looking at the characteristics of what they need, a wing that can shoot, Mm -hmm. that was willing to accept the role that's been through playoffs, he fits that bill. So let's not sleep on the fact that he's decided to just take money over the chance to chase rings and played in Sacramento and then Atlanta. He does fit. Like if, if the Warriors signed Vince Carter, everyone would be like, great move. Mm-hmm. Great move. So why would it not be a good move for Toronto? The reason would be because thousands of people would be chanting, we want VC. Yeah. And they'd be asking for it's him not to his, play what role ahead of play. OG yeah. Ananobi yeah. or Norm Powell. That would be, the, to your point, Jesse, the potential issue. Yeah, I don't think the market can handle Lynn sanity and Vince sanity <laughs> at the exact same time. I think that's a little much for everybody. I see what you're saying, but I guess maybe my hesitation was derived from the gong show it would bring with it. And I just don't feel like that's the move they need to make right and now. Raptors are now a luxury tax paying team, basically, for the first time in their existence. Got to make some of that money back. Come on, Vince. Hey, Vince, you could be the new GoDaddy guy. Yeah. Yeesh. Look, so I think if we're talking about the one roster spot that they still need to fill, is this someone that is going to get meaningful minutes? No. Do you try and bring in a guy like Ennis Cantor, for example, or Robin Lopez, or are those guys going to want to go to a franchise where they're going to have a little bit more opportunity to play? Because if you bring in a Cantor or a Lopez in the postseason, are they really getting any minutes? Is it are they more of a Greg Monroe replacement? And Monroe wouldn't have been playing playoff minutes. So yeah. is there really a point in bringing in a Lopez or a Monroe? Or can Boucher fill that role until the end of the season and then the rotation shortens up and you play seven or eight guys in the playoffs? Yeah, Zach Randolph, another big that that is potentially available. The thing with Cantor, and again, if you look at his 
per 48 minutes. I'd be like, man, this guy, this guy would be yeah. great. So he doesn't defend. There's deficiencies so, in his game for sure. So that that is the the issue. I think Raptors Twitter would love Cantor. Cantor's a bit of a loose cannon. Yeah. Isn't there something to be said though in a similar vein as the Morris twins? Like he's got that attitude yes. and that toughness. Like even if he doesn't play, Cantor's that type of guy that you want on the bench that's making a lot of noise when your team's on a run. Right. And like Mike and his Cantor moment is First game between the Thunder oh, no, and, and the Warriors after Durant leaves, and he's chirping at Durant from <laughs> yeah. the bench. Now Durant lit them up, partially because of it. But yeah, he is he is scrappy in that sense. I just don't think a big is necessarily what you need because I I would actually prefer to see Boucher, who can shoot Get the minutes. three, who has an interest in playing defense, over Cantor at this point, which kind of sounds crazy to say, but again, based on what the team needs. Well, yeah, just, I think he's a better fit. Pete Boucher's G League minutes I, or uh, numbers. I know it's the G League, but Chris Boucher, more than 27 points per game in the G League, more than 11 boards, and four blocks per game. Like, you could be playing pickup ball at the YMCA. Four blocks a game would be good there. <laughs> yeah. To have it in a developmental basketball league is even better. So I'm actually kind of excited to see what the Montreal native Chris Boucher can bring to the team. Yeah, it's a... Uh, it's a good story for sure. The other story in basketball this week is All-Star Weekend. Yep. It's coming yes. up. Yes. I mentioned that Team Tamper will be t- playing Team Giannis. Shade. Are you guys excited for All-Star Weekend? Do we care anymore? It's lost the luster for me a little bit. Because? Well, the game is nothing. I never find the game interesting to watch. That, uh, is there any All-Star game in any league that's no, interesting to watch? Not really. Well, I mean, baseball it, tried to make it interesting by saying, oh, this game counts. It counts And then recanted on that. Yeah. yeah. And it counts unless we have to have a tie because people are going to be mad that these pitchers are, are pitching in extra innings. I mean, theoretically, you would think that a pickup game with the best basketball players in the world would be exciting. Should be incredible. Like, that is the one sport where it should work. And Kevin Durant even said they've they've upped the prize money to 100000 He's like, man... No one cares. We got guys making thirty yeah. million, forty million a year. Like yeah. peanuts. No one, no one cares about that. As as bad as that sounds, this may sound bad. I am more interested in the skills Me Saturday too. night than the game on Sunday. I think most people would say that. Like I'm a, I love the three point shooting contest. Like I, that's my jam. Well, I this, love that. And Danny Green is going to play in it. Yes, this also sounds crazy. I am now more interested in the three point shootout than the dunk competition. Like the the three point shootout should now go last. It should be the yeah, headline. Way better. Yeah. The Curry brothers are participating, right? Seth Curry participating in Charlotte. Yeah. So the, this is the lineup for the Mountain Dew three point contest. Steph Curry plus 200. Buddy Heald plus 450. Devin Booker plus 500. Seth Curry plus 600. Joe Harris plus 700. Damian Lillard plus 800. Danny Green plus 1,000. Chris Middleton plus 1,000. Kemba Walker plus fifteen hundred in his hometown, or or, or not his hometown, but his his home is, city. Yes, and Dirk Nowitzki plus two thousand for Dirk. Dirk. Um, also, how many people are participating? Is this more than usual? It's a lot of guys, and that's not Clay Thompson, who's going to be there. He's obviously an all star. He's not even in the field. Who are you laying money on? I think there's a lot of value at the bottom of that. Yeah, list I agree. You just gave us. Yeah, Danny Green. We said he was plus a thousand. Plus a thousand. Yeah. Throw a hundred on Danny Green for sure. These guys are great three point shooters. Yeah, no one on the list. All is you bad. have to do is get hot for a minute. 
literally get hot for a minute and you can win the whole thing. Honestly, Dirk plus 2,000, Kemba Walker plus 1,500, Chris Middleton plus 1,000. What Dame, was Dame? Dame plus 800, Dan yeah, Green okay. plus 1,000. I might, well, I'm not actually going to do this because I don't care that much, but I think it would be smart. I'll say that. They put 100 on all of those guys. The bottom five guys yeah, or so. Yeah, uh, sure. 100%. I would put maybe $50 on everyone but Curry. Yeah. Who's uh, plus yes. 200. As gamb- what are gamblers are supposed to look for value. Yes. And there is a ton of value at the bottom of that list. Yeah. I don't think the dunk contest will ever get back to the pinnacle of when it was in Toronto. And oh, Aaron Gordon the most and Zach incredible. Levine Crazy. put on an absolute clinic on what was... The coldest weekend in maybe the history of the city. Right. So the, a showcase for the league, bring everyone, all the celebrities, all the athletes, and it's like minus 100. So there was a flaw in the competition because I think we reached the nexus point where a 10 is no longer a 10. Like, we were giving 10s for things that historically were a 10, but then they would come up with another dunk that was better than that, but you can't give more than a 10. Mm-hmm. So how do you evaluate it? We're now in extra innings of the dunk competition. So can you take back the 10 retroactively? Because what you just saw was crazier. Yeah. I, I agree. That's the best competition. Yeah. Like Vince Carter is the single greatest dunk performance. performance. Yep. That was the greatest competition. And I think the judges actually let us down. I think Zach Levine actually had the best dunk. Oh, see, I liked Aaron Gordon's better. Which one? The one over Orbit. I loved that Over dunk. the mascot, putting it like, under I, his legs. Like yeah, he was sitting true. in a chair. That, it was incredible. That's I was true. in... The core strength that is needed. I was at Scotiabank Arena for All-Star, and I, I think that's also why my shine is gone, because I was there experiencing it, and the hype was incredible. Uh, even for some of the other events that I feel like don't have as much interest, it mm. was cool to be watching it. And I that Aaron Gordon dunk, like I lost my marbles. I just thought it was so... You know, the athleticism of it, it was unique. It wasn't gimmicky because I always go back to Blake Griffin going over the Kia and I hated that dunk. The choir? Yeah, like just <laughs> a little too, I don't know. Like there, There's a way to do a gimmick in a good way. I always think of Nate Robinson with the kryptonite kind of mm-hmm. theme. Like I was digging that. Dwight Howard in the Superman yes, costume. Like, it was good. That was fun playing yeah. on sort of the, the rivalry there or whatever you want it to be in within the dunk contest. But... I don't like when it gets too much, and I felt like Aaron Gordon was doing it without without it being a distraction. I feel like there's only so much that the human body is capable of doing, too. Yeah. I yeah. think we've almost reached the peak of what these dunkers can accomplish. And back to what you said about the judges scoring, that Aaron Gordon dunk, all of Zach Levine's dunks, we're all 10s. But if you give the first dunk that you see the first one of the night, a 10, and it's not worthy of a 10, yeah. then the whole contest is a sham. It's in, yeah. it's in disarray. It's a sham because you get, what, two dunks before they start cutting people down? And well, then what are you going to do? But do you, so then the only way to change that would be to get everyone to dunk and not to immediately react. Like, everyone does their first dunk, judges sit and think about it, and then give scores? Like, is that the only Ooh. way to change that? Or maybe you... you hold your voting until the end. And so yeah, you're voting I mean. voting once on the body of work, not oh, okay. one single dunk. The issue though, to me is you have to upgrade a dunk that is done on the first try. Cause oh, there, that kills it. Why? There is a natural reaction. And I was, I was there as well in 2016 for that dunk competition. And it's like one of the secrets is for big events, like all-star dunk competition, 
TNT has a stage that's in the stands. It's yes. so big. So there are a bunch of seats that are just like not available to the public and roped off because you can't sell the seat like behind a jib camera. And so as a media member, you just get in the building, but I'm not going to the press room. I'm actually going in those seats. So I was in those seats with former coworker, Randy Urban, and we were losing our minds at, at those dunks. But there is a reaction. Maybe it's different on TV, but there's a reaction in the building when no one knows what you're about to do and you just pull it off and you flush it. Whereas you throw the alley-oop and then it doesn't bounce right and you kind of half jump and then you do it again. So people kind of have an idea of what you're going to do. Like it's lost. So I think for you to get a pure 10 has to be first attempt. It has to be totally new to the entire audience. Absolutely. I spoke too soon on that. What I meant by killed it is like nothing grinds my gears more oh, than yes. when it takes 47 tries mm-hmm. and you're like, okay, no one cares anymore. Like just do something and move on. But that like, was Nate Robinson. Like Nate Robinson got tired because yeah, he tried exhausting. to dunk it so often. Birdman, like Birdman, did Bird? I think Birdman's still trying to dunk. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's on his driveway right now. What we need to do is to get some of the big names in the dunk competition. 100%. They can but, never get them though. This is the field for the AT&T slam dunk contest. Dennis Smith Jr., who who I think should have made it to the finals last year, was robbed a little bit, plus 150. And actually, I've interviewed him since, and he was actually mad about it, like to the point where like he didn't want to talk about it. It was mm-hmm. such a sore issue. So I think he's going to come with some heat. He's mad that the, the Mavs basically put him on ice for two weeks and brought him back and then traded him. John Collins, who's a great in-game dunker. I don't know how good he'll be in this setting, plus 200. Miles Bridges... Plus two seventy five, and Hamadou Dallo for the Thunders plus three hundred. I couldn't pick him out of a lineup. There's so nothing sexy about the names you just read off for I, me. This is my Adam Silver. Feel free to to take this advice. This is how I would change the dunk competition. You go to your stakeholders: Nike, Under Armour, Adidas, New Balance, Puma. You all have one entry in the dunk competition. So now it's not just like, okay, who are like the four young guys who are up and coming, who want to do it, but who don't have so much to lose that they don't want to lose to someone else. Now there are real stakes. So if Nike can say, oh my goodness, three years running, the dunk competition winner was wearing our shoe or Adidas is like, you know what? You don't think bounce works? You don't think the bounce technology is real? You don't think the ultra boost technology is real? Guess what? Our guy just won the dunk competition. They've got like an ad that comes immediately after they announce it. I think that's how you get big guys back in the dunk competition to the point where Puma is like, I mean, we could sign DeAndre Aiden, but maybe we should save that money, go at Zion Williamson a year from now because he might, he might win the dunk competition three years in a row. That's how I would save the dunk up. But does that solve the issue of the big guys not wanting to lose to each other on the big stage? Because I think, in Is reality, that... that's probably why we've never seen LeBron James oh, do a slam dunk contest, Kobe right? Bryant, in an interview with uh, Rachel Nichols and Tracy McGrady, said that, I mean, he won his, but then Vince and McGrady came after him. He's like, no, I'm not losing. And so I do think it solves it to a point where Nike's like, LeBron, we signed a lifetime contract with you. You're going in the dunk competition. Mm-hmm. Or Adidas like, Andrew Wiggins. We are literally your biggest partner. You're making more from us than you will for over the, your life than you will from the Minnesota Timberwolves. You're going to be in the dunk competition. And so the very same reason why a lot of those guys who I think don't necessarily want to play internationally do, because I think the sneaker companies are like, yeah, no, you're going to Rio, whether you like it or not. Right. I think they would say, listen, LeBron, 
you got to take one for the team. At least do it once. And then we'll ask Katie or Paul George or whoever next year. But you, we need team Nike needs to hold the crown. The guys who are on the sidelines going nuts. Imagine if they were just grouped by brand. Yeah, and like the Jordan reacts. guys are over here, like celebrating. That's my idea. So well, who's with Kawhi standing over in the New Balance? <laughs> New Balance. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, and what sweet shoe are they going to try and get him into? Well, dunk everyone else. He yet. There's no shoe. Right? He doesn't have it's shoes. Just clothes. Yet. He's wearing Jordan still because they haven't designed yeah. a shoe for him. They have. Well, they um. They could be. This could be the big debut at the dunk competition. There making you go. your point, DJ. Exactly. I unfortunately. Ego will always kill the skills comp, especially the dunk mm-hmm. competition, which sucks because I feel like it doesn't need to be that way. This, like, I don't want to lose. Uh, to yeah, me, like, who cares? If you lose? Who cares? No one cares. Well, that was a big thing with why we couldn't televise the draft of all-star players, right? Because people didn't want to be picked last. I love that Giannis told on Kyle and Kyle was like <laughs> begging him not to be picked last. That's another good point. I hate it. I felt like that was completely buried. Like if you weren't looking for it, You'd have missed it. Do you not think? Yeah. Like well, they snuck it in on, on, trade, on trade deadline, deadline day. day. Why? It, it I, this should have been. It was weird. It was taped and yeah. everyone was playing that night. It was like, how, when did this happen? Yeah, they taped it that Because the Lakers morning. were playing. Oh, it was that morning because the Lakers played that night. Yeah. Well, just before it was airing. I just think that's another wasted opportunity to like, everyone loves that stuff. That's why NBA Twitter is such fire because the personalities are so big. And that's an incredible moment of being like, Oh, Lowry got picked last. Sucks to be him. Like it's kind of a, whatever. Relax. I know everyone wants to be upset about stuff, but I am reticent to say that the NHL has done something well that the NBA should copy. But in this case, it's true. It should be done at the All Star Weekend. And in fact, it's not the worst decision in the world. I know that they have All Star team practices and whatever, and like the coaches have to put in like three sets, like, Hey guys, we're running horns, like whatever. It should be done on the court to start the game. Oh, like that would like be a amazing. Pick yeah. Like literally Adam silver has like a white and a black Jersey for every player. And he's just like handing them up. No, actually the jerseys are reversible. So it's when incredible. Ben Simmons gets traded, he has to switch his Jersey. It's an unreal idea. Yeah, I love that. Let's pitch it. Like I think, full I think, schoolyard I think, pick. I think we've solved it. I think we've solved it. Thank you guys. We've solved the NBA's problems. Thanks for so coming easy. in. easy. Before we let you go, what's coming up with you guys? My bachelorette. So not a whole lot other than that, wow. to be honest. Yeah. I'm going to Montreal for my bachelorette, which is pretty exciting. And uh, work-wise, Sports and Central when I get back. Jesse and I just finished a couple shifts together this last week, which was fun. We had a blast. Yeah, we used to do fake shows all the time at the College of Sports Media. Shout out. And what is this, seven years later? Now we're on the desk together. It's pretty cool feeling. College of Sports Media is like the warriors of our industry. 100%. Is it a not lot, like, yep. lot of people. It's have, like the super team. Yeah. Like Dave Lannis just pumping out sports media people in all areas. Yeah, it's a crazy list. There there are going to be some, uh, some Ryerson people that get upset at me. Ryerson is like the Lakers. Like they have the most championships over time. Oh, you're going to get so much heat for the saying war, that. The, the warriors of present day are, I would say, the College of Sports Media. And I have Steph and Katie here. So, thank you, guys. You know who now is really going to be upset about that? Who's Faisal Kamisa for you calling us Steph and Katie. He's Clay. He's a, he's okay. a splash brother. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, at Jesse Rubinoff That's on right. Twitter. At City Michaud. You got it. Are we changing that or what's going on? Yeah, I probably should change it. At Sportnet. Sportnet like right Michaud? now? Let's do it right now. Like, yeah. well, you lose, DJ, maybe you know. like You lose the blue check mark. Life is over. Is that, is that a thing? Yeah, apparently if you change your 
yeah, you lose it and it's gone. And if I, I like, I don't really care. But I'll take it. Like, I'll take it from you. You're gonna take oh, my no, blue, I'll take blue check mark. It's I, me who stole it. Oh, okay, fair enough. So if I, I just apprehensive to make the change because you lose the blue check mark. Although I don't know if anyone cares to read my Twitter anyway. Oh, they do, do. do they care? Yeah. I don't know. No, you're not losing the check mark at City Michelle. Uh, give them a follow. Let us know. How you like this? Like, rate, subscribe, share. This has been free association with some friends who came in for free. Thanks for listening.